Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm stood on the corner of the Holmesdale Road end outside Sellers Park. Manchester United play Crystal Palace in just over an hour. And it's great to walk out of the suburban streets and see floodlights of an English football ground. I don't think I'll ever not get excited at, at that. I've stood on this spot many, many times selling United We Stand. We haven't brought any down tonight, unfortunately. Um, but we will have copies on sale outside Old Trafford. I'm starting to see um, different United fans around. Uh, Mick Groom, who's a lad I've seen around many, many times over the years, standing looking completely conspicuous in a yellow and green top with a, with a, a red beard. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us on the podcast. No worries, Andy. How are you, sir? Good yeah, to see fine. you again. Uh, you're in the next United We Stand, by the way. I don't want to break that news to you. Ah, that's wonderful. That would have been from outside the uh, airport in uh, in Seville. In Seville, you were pictured. I thought I, I love it how football attracts characters, and I think you're definitely a character. So I thought I'm having a picture of you, and you're being printed whether you like it or not. Yeah, of course. Um, you own the, the flag, tell us about the flag you own uh, You know my kid's wife in that order, yep, it's, uh, I've had it since, I got it made in 2000, uh, 2002 I think it was, or three. Yeah. first game I had it was at Clyde It was obviously because of the fact that I got told by the wife it's either me or and the kids are United and I obviously chose United and, uh, and that's the reason behind it it's, uh, So you were married and your married. wife said to you it's, it's me or United. Yeah. And you said it's United. It's United. How long had you been married for? Um, I've been married for. Well, the kids, the kids were free, so I've been married for four years. But she knew I went to United anyway. Yeah. But you know what they're like, women. They they try and get you to do things over the course of time, and and you know I weren't having it, so I went. So a really dirty, and I still don't speak to those two children now. Unfortunately, really? I'm not saying it's the right or wrong decision. Yeah. It's a decision I made. Yeah. I'll stand by that decision. You know, and uh, unfortunately, there's two children that are in their thirties now that don't speak to me because you chose Manchester because United. Because I chose United over them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I know, like, when I speak to you, my tone will be quite light-hearted, and I mention that you're a character and a. I see you around the world, but that's a real life issue, isn't it? Yeah, of course it was. You know, and it, you know it was, and it still is. You know, um, look, it's, it's not nice. I've, I've now got I've got four children, and and due to football, I don't speak to three of them. Right. And the other one was a different personal issue, but you know, it's uh, football at least has taken me away from the fact that I've got four children that I don't speak to. Not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to say. To be fair, to you, Andy, you know. Uh, I certainly won't win father of the year. I certainly won't win father of the year, but it's a it's a path I took, and I don't regret it. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, I'm 60 in a year's time. You know, 43 countries, 43 years watching them. 
second division and the treble. So I don't, you know, I don't regret anything. I've met some wonderful characters. And it is what it is, to be fair, yeah. An addiction? I hope so. If it's not an addiction, there's an issue somewhere. <laughs> I've seen you at games in Saudi Arabia, and I love United, and I love watching them, but my, my, my great excuse is that... Is that um, it, it's my job as well, you know. Of course, that's yeah. My, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. But no, that's, that's my, right. That's my, my great excuse. <laughs> and well, I'm always coming to, to Crystal Palace on a Monday night. I wrote a piece yesterday saying it's the most difficult ground to get to if you're it's coming awful. from Manchester. But even you're, even you're, for me, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you're a Londoner. It's, I'm a Londoner. I live in Essex or just outside, like, you know, east, east of London. But at the end of the day, it's it's an awful ground to get to. Unfortunately, can. I'm working in London, so it's not a problem. But it still was awful to get to. I worked in Sloan Street. I had to I had to get a, a, a train to Clapham Junction and then change it to get one at Sellers. You know, but it, it's an awful place to get to and to get home from, especially. So why United? What's your story? Where did you grow up? Um, I, I grew up in uh, Basildon, in Essex. Uh, most of the lads were um, really in, in them days. There was only West Ham and Tottenham. They weren't Chelsea or Arsenal. And, uh, and I just wanted to be different because, I, you know, I am different at the end of the day. You know, I know I'm different. I'm, you know, probably got a screw loose. You know, some people like me, some people don't. Not really bothered. You know, it is what, you know, life is as it's, you know, it's not a... It certainly ain't a rehearsal, and uh, and I just wanted to support someone different as a kid to be different from the rest of them. And you know, I was probably at the bottom of the league when I, you know, decided to, to support them. No other reason than they was near the bottom of the league. Whereas, you know, so and that's why I chose them. You, you chose know. them because they were bottom of the league. But they weren't far off of the bottom yeah. of the league. I start, as I said, I started going yeah. in '74. Yeah. You know, in Division Two. So, you, how would you get up from Essex? Well, I used to hitchhike. You hit I used to, yeah. Every every home game, I used to hitchhike. I've got a fellow. How long did it take you? Uh, well, sometimes I used to get back, go straight to school from uh, from Manchester. Pal of mine, Russell Duke, his mum used to make sandwiches for me, and he used to take him to school, and I used to just bowl into the class, you know, like mid morning, and just go over to him and, and pick up sandwiches and sit down in the lesson and, and eat me sandwiches. I was 15, 14, 15, you know, and that's the way it was. What's the longest it took you to hitchhike to a game? Uh, well, I, we hitchhiked, I, I hitchhiked to um, Porto in 77 with Gurney and Robin Summerson, and, and we never made it, you know. Um, it's a long, long way. It was a, lo- it was a long, long way. Even, and, you know, even today with modern communication. Yeah, of course, we hitchhiked. And we, How we, far did you get? How long did we you... We got to San Sebastian. We, right. we was halfway there, and, and we was jibbing the train, yeah. and, um, and Robin Summerson lo- lost his passport, so we ended up uh, going to uh, Paris to try and get his passport. Uh, and obviously we wasted time there and then he was unsuccessful so we carried on hitchhiking and we got to San Sebastian uh, sort of the morning of the game and and we realised that we wasn't going to make it and and the three of us decided to come home you know you're you're uh, still a good 10 hours away yeah of course yeah that's right yeah miles away but you know yeah and and what did your family think of you doing all this Um, they were stuck by me. I mean, I remember as a 14-year-old as a kid running away from uh, from home um, and, and running away to Manchester. And, and, and I got picked up uh, at Piccadilly Gardens uh, by the old Bill, who was obviously, obviously a youngster on my own and just walking around, didn't know anybody. 
and, uh, and they, they took me away, they, they put me in a home for the evening and, and my dad obviously was contacted, obviously I mean, I was only 14 at the time, but to me I wanted to live in Manchester, I wanted to be close to United, you know, and, uh, and obviously they, they put me on a train at Piccadilly and uh, my dad met me at Euston and uh, he never very, he didn't often swear, my dad, but when I got off at Euston he said the C word, you know, see you next Tuesday. He, he didn't really swear my dad, but he did that day. You know, I obviously aged. You know, my parents obviously aged a lot because of as a kid I was always hitchhiking away and, and going to football and you know, and it wasn't it wasn't a dumb thing really. I don't think in them days, not you know, not not them days. I mean, I was I was 14, so you know, I mean, I'm 58 now, 59 in March, well, 59 in April. You know, not next year. So it was a long time ago. Tell us about your tattoos because your body's covered in United tattoos. Yeah, yeah, I got interviewed when we played Norwich. When the uh, Red Army sort of like, smashed Norwich up uh, in '77, it was obviously on the Saturday, and I got interviewed on the train, uh, and I sort of like exposed my tattoos. It was written about in the um, in the news of the world, and at the time, it was seventy-three pounds worth of United tattoos. Obviously, I've still got the, the clipping, and uh, and then on the following Monday it was on Nationwide uh, the, obviously the big paper uh, there was a big you know a big programme about the, the, the Red Army in Norwich yeah. but unfortunately the next night we played Everton away and obviously we went up there obviously and uh, and I was with Steve Mercer and um, and we was on the on the bus and obviously because I'd been on the TV with me tattoos we got recognised on the bus coming back from Goodison and um and obviously we got attacked and we, we obviously had to, we tried our best, but we obviously got a good idea in the pair of us. It was only the two of us on the bus. And, um, and I mean, you weren't a hooli, were you? No, I wasn't a hooli no, I mean, no. some of the Cockney Reds were, were hooligans. Yeah, yeah, yeah some of them were. No, I wasn't a hooligan. You don't do that. You no, 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 that's, that was, that was, no, no, I'm a straight goer. I was no, you know, I weren't in there. Obviously you have to hold your hands up sometimes if, if the occasion arises. And uh, you have to sort of like protect yourself, but I certainly didn't go looking for it, not in a million years, you know. I was never an early game, no. What's your greatest moment as a Manchester United? Uh, beating, beating Liverpool in the 77 Cup final, because obviously that was the first trophy that I see us win. Uh, that, that would be the standout moment for me, to be fair. Um, and possibly close second would be seeing us beat Palmeiras to win the World Club Championship after, you know, never expecting to see us in a European Cup final, let alone in the the Super Cup as it was called then. So, but yeah, beating Liverpool to stop them winning the treble was was my greatest moment. It was the first trophy I'll see us win and it, uh, you know, that'd be with me till I die. And finally, how are you feeling about United under Jose Mourinho? We're coming towards the, the end of his second season. Um, I like Mourinho. Um, I liked him when he was at Porto. I liked him at Chelsea. He's a char- yeah, he's a character. So at the end of the day, it's I liked him. Um, the football's not pretty, but as I said, as I said earlier, um, I've seen us win the treble. I've seen us in Division Two. 
they can't give me anything else. You know, I turn up now because it's 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 the addiction. It's the, it's you do what you do. You know, um, the football isn't pretty. Uh, everyone wants to see uh, attacking football. Unfortunately, we're not going to get attacking football. But he's successful. We've won, you know, we won a couple of trophies and the charity shield with him. So you know, yeah, I like him. You know, thank you for your time. No, so I'm still outside the end. Where have you come from? Yeah, I come from Wicklow in Ireland, so uh, yeah, just made my way over via Gatwick. Um, How so many games did you get China. to? Yeah, all of the home games and wherever I can get an away ticket. So I've been, to, I've been lucky enough this season, maybe one of every three games, away so games. Every home maybe. game yeah. and one in every three away yeah. game. And the Euros as well. And Euros, the Euros, Euros yeah. from so, Wicklow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's it. How long does it take you to drive from Wicklow to, to Dublin Dublin, it's, it's about a three quarters of an hour drive to right. park up. And so then, that's not and then so bad. Through. It's not too bad, yeah. It, that's at off-peak yeah. traffic time, so... Uh, yeah, and, and mostly we're flying. You know, typically you're flying early morning and back late night. If you if you can get do it in the one day, is this not such a bad place to come to because it's close it, to Gatwick the, Airport? The, yeah, this is a this is a, a really good way for us to. So you're get like a the only Manchester United fan who loves. Palace yeah, away <laughs> that's it. it me, me, and, me and the other Irish friends who who managed to get a ticket for. I love this because because there's regular flights, you know, to yeah. Gatwick, yeah. and then. Obviously, then it's a short train journey, like so. It's and, and usually, you, you know, the flights. There's so many of them. You, you get a cheap flight. Yeah. You know, the only thing is obviously with a Monday night game, it's a, it's a stay over somewhere. So, you know, stay with a few mates in in uh, Gatwick Airport. So, yeah. cuts down the cost. You know, if you're trying yeah. to travel regularly, you have to try yeah. and do it as on a budget, as tight budet as you can. Tell so, me about yeah, it, mate. So, Even um, my wife was laughing at the hotel yeah. I'm staying in tonight <laughs> in Croydon. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't stay in it if I was with my wife, but yeah. I think it does have a, a better and the door I think it's got a roof as well I think that, yeah. that, that's about it Stephen hey, mate. All right. Steve Armstrong yeah how are you feeling ahead of the game tonight <laughs> I, I genuinely can't really be bothered with it to be honest I think the season's just trickling into a bit of uh, bit of nothing from a league part of you it's all about FA Cup for me um, maybe what we can if we can get one more overseas I've said it in the mag it'd be nice to get one more overseas trip in the Champions League to get to sort of Five trips for the season, pa, and then uh, after that, it is what it is, isn't it? But um, where would you want to go to of the teams that are left in? Oh, I can tell you what I don't. I don't want to go to Bezik, right? Um, <laughs> and I don't want to go to uh, L L four or whatever it is. L. I don't want to yeah. get to L. Right. So in, no in Liverpool any, or we don't definitely don't. I don't want to. We, we actually were. To, if we do get an English team, we've already committed that we're going to get the Hull to Zeebrugge ferry. We're going to go to Bruges, then we're going to get out of Brussels, get the Eurostar back, and then go wherever from that. So right. um, we, we've got a plan just in case the worst comes off. But uh, yeah, I mean Madrid like that. Madrid. Uh, listen, it's just overseas. Barcelona. Overseas. 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 Okay. overseas that'll do us. Um, um, that'll do us. Yeah. So, tonight, I'm not. You know, it's it's a dreadful fixture at the best of times. It's doesn't matter what time of day, year morning it's always six hours I've obviously because I've got a big meeting with work in the morning I can't I couldn't deal with a bus so I uh, I drove and it was I mean it was alright coming home but I'll definitely be using all three lanes in between occasional naps on the way home um, we've just put the latest issue of the fanzine to bed it's gone to print about ten minutes ago I've just approved it including one of your mates who's in they bleed red white and black <laughs> and he's 50 this weekend he's right. 50 on Friday oh so it's good yeah, timing yeah, then yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah yeah he's he's uh it's his 50th party at, at the Nags Ad. He seems uh, like a, a character he's definitely he's he's definitely he's, he's a typical I think what you get at United and I can't comment too much on other clubs because they don't go in my way with them but I certainly have seen enough 
you get these like I think it comes with the Mancunian as well like where your humour's always very dry very very innocent always very very funny and it's always delivered like really really straight and really dry and I love that kind of humour and he does that really really well well so, it talks of having a heavy night in Manchester before one Manchester derby following through having to take his underpants off and go commando because he'd shit himself I nearly held them Right, yeah, that was the word, <laughs> and this was the five one in eighty nine. Oh no, no, that one. I thought you meant another right. one. No, no, Jump, uh, yeah, yeah. Jumping out of yeah. the United end to yeah. celebrate the one of United's, mm. the United's only goal in yeah. a five one defeat. Mm. Running towards the kip axe mm. and someone throwing a can of skull mm. which connected with his head. He, ge- he genuinely, he genuinely once woke up, thought he was blind, and got taxied to the hospital. Um, so he went. Hey mate, all right. He went to. I think it was St Mary's or the Eye Gaff there uh, back back in the day, and he went there. Um, and basically he went all of that way in a taxi to be told you're actually technically still asleep he hadn't actually woken up yet so you know that like, that kind yeah. of middle bit in between awake and sleep he was still asleep that's like yeah he's, that's, 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 that's him all over and he'd have just sort of laughed laughed out loud about that one but uh, yeah he's a good guy I love him to bits he's a he's a great mate you trust him with your life and uh, obviously Friday night he's, uh, he's 50th which should be uh, a nice little pre- prelude to the uh, the weekend game uh, we stood outside the visiting supporters box office it's not a site you often see at away grounds but if you just explain what's happening here United fans are picking the tickets up this is what the club have been doing the last two or three years yeah it ain't just for the pick up thing though I think some, if, obviously if you're obviously you've got the, the, auto, the ticket forwarding scheme yeah. now which is a positive you know yeah. so instead of like you know if you send me a ticket you know you don't get you know potential to be banned or go to jail for it uh, you can actually send it on to someone you want it to go to yeah. so it's just for that more than any, as, as much as yeah. I would say the bulk of the people here have had tickets forwarded the random collection thing you know it's going to happen because yeah. ultimately uh, you know in the obviously I look at it from a fan's point of view um they look at it from me, they want to make sure that it gets shared around properly, which, again, putting, putting my business head on, I kind of understand that. You want to try and keep as many public suite as you can, but, you know, it all comes back down to what I go on about forever and ever, which is grounds just aren't big enough to accommodate large away supports, and, uh, you know, that's where that's what football some football clubs have got to try and do something about that, particularly where United's concerned. I mean, you call that a box off, it looks more like a, more like a detention centre. Well, the grounds, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago and I was researching, the majority of Premier League clubs are expanding the ground. Mm. And I don't want this to come right back round to why aren't Manchester United doing the same thing, because I've made my feelings pretty clear on that. But we're at Crystal Palace, they're spending £100 million on a new main stand. It's a huge amount of money for a, for a club here, which we stood outside it. You, you know it's a football ground, but we're stood by the gable end of houses. It's, I, re- I, reckon, I reckon this ground's like United's defence. It doesn't matter what you spend on it, it's still going to be shite. <laughs> you can spend I as love, much as I you love, like on it. But I, I'm not a fan. Pal- I mean, it, once you're in the ground, it's yeah. got that old traditional, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone tonight, you, you know, the floodlights, it's always a good thing. It's a proper good atmospheric stadium. Um, it used to be the best place to sell fanzines by an absolute mile, especially when well, Wimbledon, when Wimbledon were here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was that period where Charlton were here for a bit as well. Yeah, they were. We, um, I think Charlton were in the late 80s, just before United We Stand started. It did help. But it, we stood on these yeah. spots here. I'm absolutely gutted they've not bought fanzines to sell tonight. He's, he's eating away I at think, me. Uh, to be honest, though, that there's, that there's a box. We, we've, done a, we've, done a few, we've done a few away games, and like because of the because of the fact that you know. Because of the, the, the way that the crowds are sort of panned out and the tickets are getting shared around now, um, 
you know, I don't think it's a particularly fancy crowd. I don't make you. We used to do all right at Fulham when you got you need your four thousand, your five thousand, six, seven thousand Blackburn type of crowd to do well on that. Good. The other thing you rely on though is is clubs where their own fans in cultures died, and the home fans will buy. It. Everton's great for that. Everton's a brilliant sell. Yeah. Because um, last year I, I knocked out you know near enough a box just to Everton fans who were saying, yeah. look, don't care what's in it. I mean, it helped that at the time Moyes was manager and we were shite, and I think they just wanted to see what the mood was about all that. But um, yeah. Um, it was a good, it was a good ground to do all of that. But um, yeah, it's it's just it's just the logistics of getting here. It's just yeah, no, never no. ever ever had a decent journey here. And you know the reality of it is, is you know we could kick off all we like about you know well it's wrong on football fans to come at this time that time this day that night. The reality is, is we all have the option not to do it. Yeah. Um, you know when we all choose to do it, so yeah. we can't well, really moan too much. The previous person who was speaking to on this podcast Mick he just mm. said it is an addiction mm. yeah. and it yeah. is an addiction and, and, yeah and you know for those of us who were, who, who were addicted to everything that we do um, you know it kind of mounts up it's not so much the, the addiction of just a match it's when you like going racing and you like doing other things and you know that's when it kind of really mounts up do you have an addictive personality absolutely I do I've said it so many times you know it's like we're drinking I'm better at none than one one of my mates has got one and he going to United and he'd go to every single game friendly mm. for years yeah. and then he'd say it's shit it's full of wankers yeah. of football shit and he won't go mm. so he'd get into something else like golf and then he'd play mm. golf every yeah. single day yeah. for ages and then he'd get into like cheese yeah. and he'd have cheese every day with wine <laughs> and then he'd say Cake, cake. Cheese and wines for knobheads, and then he'd move on to somewhere else. <laughs> Brilliant I'd, I'd to have watch to disagree with him. Kate says occasionally she'd like it if I got addicted to coming home when I said I was coming home, um, and, uh, and and going round to her mum and dad's every now and then. But uh, yeah, it is. As I said, we do have the choice, and you know, so unfortunately, we know the United that, uh, team coach. If, if, yeah, we no one on it. We've no one on it because they've just dropped the players off uh, by by the old main stand at Sellers Park it's a double decker it's a beautiful coach it's got it's own chef there he is making food for the various um, players looks nicer than our bus inside I think it looks nicer than pretty much any bus doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? They, won't be, most, they won't be most, on it most houses I think they uh, yeah. they'll be, be flying back last time anyway. when, when we were at Northampton last year I walked past that and the door was open and I looked in at Martin McVarney was sat on the back seat looking for looking for whatever pies or drinking you know, yeah, yeah. um, Martin is someone who's been on this podcast many times and talking to characters he's one of them just absolutely we appreciate the support of our sponsors which help keep this podcast free for you to enjoy uh, Harry's is a razor company it's based in the United States they've got over 3 million regular subscribers to their blades and they're offering United We Stand listeners a trial set for only £2.95 it should be £11.50 if you go to harrys.com forward slash united you can train claim your trial set will be delivered to your door uh, I've I've received one I've used it I liked it it's a decent shave the you get shaving gel it's all very nicely packaged and you get razors with five blades at a very decent price especially compared with other five blade razors and how they did that harry's bought a factory in germany with over 100 years of blade making experience and they thought that by controlling the entire blade making process and selling over the internet they could keep the cost down give you a high quality shave at a better price so if you go to harrys.com forward slash united and then for £2.95 you'll get a weighted ergonomic razor handle 
you get the the blades the shave gel a travel blade cover as well and you can subscribe you can have them delivered to you as frequently or as infrequently as you like or you can just buy them outright if you want to do it i suggest you just try it see if you like it and the final whistle's just gone at sellers park what a second half that was because manchester united were terrible in the first half they were two nil down and then they came back to win 3-2, which you all know. James Scowcroft, James used to play for, for Crystal Palace. You're a Manchester United fan. What do you make of that game? Game of two halves, wasn't it? A game of uh, a half and ten minutes. And for as great a result it is, Man United were a horrific first half and first ten minutes in the season. Worst I've seen them play. But they pushed on, they got positive players on the pitch, they went for it. I think Lukaku deserved a lot of credit second half, showed a lot of fight up front, it was difficult. And just, you know, it started to click really, you know, if they put the ball in the box and they get just pushed on Andy, you know, just got everybody in Palace's half and put pressure on them and they got what they deserved. That's what I mean. Do positive things, you get positive outcomes. There's still a lot to be improved about this team, though, isn't it? It was a very frustrating game for the first half. It was dreadful. Yeah, it was. And Palace, to be fair to them, are a poor side at the moment. They're struggling with injuries. Uh, they're in a relegation fight. And United gave them a head start. You know, you can't do that you know, against other teams. So they won't get away with it. You know, it's, it's up to United. United can have a positive end of the season. Still a lot to play for, but. You know, there's there's two sides to Man United, and one is very ugly at the moment. And it's not good, but there is a side when they do pull the finger out. They've got top players that win games of football. It's so half full, half empty. You can you can say we're second in the league, we're in the FA Cup, we're still in the Champions League. It's a big improvement on recent seasons, and you can counter that quite strongly and say we're miles behind City. The football's not that entertaining. We're, we're woeful some of the time, and yet they still keep getting the results when it, when it matters. They do, but they're, they're getting results through industry really and hard work, yeah. not instead of high quality. But we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. You know they are improving. Dave Goddard, United fan, what do you make of that tonight? Well proverbial game of two halves where the first half was absolutely awful second half got going and sometimes you go up against think how the hell have we won that and today is definitely one of those games I mean if you're a betting man to put a bet on when they were losing 2-0 it's the most ridiculous thing you'd probably do wouldn't it but you know if you did it you're buzzing, Am you? I allowed to say? Uh, Alright, yeah. alright, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not really a gambling man. <laughs> you have nine <laughs> grand in his account. The, 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 this podcast is sponsored by Red Army Bet, as you know. I had £16 in a, in a betting account. I probably bet four times a year. And I just had a hunch at the start of the second half when Manchester United were 2 0 down that they'd win. So I looked in my account, £16 in there, and I put £11 of it. Don't, I tried to put a tenner on, but pressed the button wrong, and I just won. How much have won, Dad? I don't even... I think you've won about £110, Andy. Result? Yeah. Flying. Well, you can't the bears that, in. can you? But no, I mean, from a footballing point of view, the first half was just was diabolical. As bad as they've been, I think, this season. Yeah. Reminded me very much of the Newcastle game. No width, no penetration, no pace. When the second goal went in, you looked at them and they looked like a beaten team. They're all stood hands on hips, waiting for the for the ball to come back to the centre circle. And you know, but second half, you know, they got going. And 
Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the silent auction. Um, <laughs> right. they got, when Matt H went to shoot, I thought, what the hell's he doing? What's he doing? And then the next minute he's in the top corner, so you take that one the whole day. Two right, two right. And you're staying down, yeah? You've not got to make the journey back to Manchester tonight? No, I'm tonight. staying over, mate. Staying over. Bright lights of London. I'm going to speak to a gentleman now. He doesn't want to speak to me. He looks, absolute, right, he looks absolutely distraught because he's a Crystal Palace fan. And I sat close to him tonight, Dean. Um... You go home and away with Palace, you're a lifelong fan. Yeah. How are you feeling now? Is that... Gutted. Uh, I just don't think we believed that we could take a point off United. I think the 2 0 up. I said to you, I'll take a draw now. You looked at me. Um, I just don't think there's the belief at the moment that we can win football matches. Um, we really don't look like scoring. The front two don't look like scoring. I just think really we've got to get the balance of the side right in the last 10 games and try and get more crosses in for Benteke and Solov. I think first half we gave United problems. Solov played very well in the first half, I thought. I thought he did. Third game in, I think he's getting used to the pace of it. I think he's a combative player. I think he needs to stand up against you know big, strong centre-half. He's not going to get in down the channels or, or run, run at you. I think you've got to get the crosses in. Bring Wilfred back quickly. Do you think he'll stay up? Uh, honestly, at the moment, I don't know. I hope so. I just think that that belief, as I just said, of, of winning football matches, getting points out of football matches, is there at the moment. How long have you followed Palace for? Uh, 40 years. So <laughs> you've seen them play in the top three divisions? Yes. That'd be right. Yeah. You can remember third division yeah, football? Yeah, my first game was in 74, yeah. uh, away at Brighton, believe it or not, as yeah. a Palace fan, which was a bit of a baptism. But yeah, so... My little boy's with me today, he's 10, so the last five years he's seen us in the Premier League, so he thinks this is what it's all about. So next year he might be back to watching second division football like I did for most of my uh, Palace career, shall we say. You've had a lot of ups and downs. Tell us about some of the ups and the downs in your Palace supporting career. And we'll, we'll try not to mention the 1990 FA Cup final. That's a big down. Um, the ups, typical for Palace fans, Stockport away. Uh, Dougie Friedman. Two minutes to go, kept us in the second division. That Stockport, who are now in the Conference North. Absolutely, and we could have gone down that day. I remember being on the National pitch. National League North, sorry, yeah. Being on the pitch, which I obviously shouldn't have been, but being on the pitch waiting for the Huddersfield-Birmingham result to come in. Uh, Birmingham got a draw and we uh, we stayed up that day. So that's probably one of the big ones. Uh, beating your third team in the League Cup a few years ago, Glenn Murray's offside goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that... Playoff play finals with... You know, we've had quite good success in the playoffs. Yeah. So, beating Watford, it's just... Uh, Man United are the team we can't beat. I've not... seen us beat everybody else in the Premier League other than Man United. There's 26,000 people here tonight, 3,000 in the away end. The atmosphere's really, really good here. You've got something at yeah, this club. Yeah, no, I think we've always had it, really. I think when the boys came in in 2010, like Steve Parrish and uh, the other three, I think they really sort of built a togetherness about the club I think they brought it back together I think Jordan disenfranchised himself I suppose I think in the media uh, his media persona wasn't good for us I, I think um, why too open <sighs> too outspoken too outspoken at, at the wrong times about the wrong things okay. you know I think Steve says a lot Steve's in the media a lot but I think a lot of fans that I know talk to me and say oh I like your chairman he, he, he speaks his mind he speaks sense and all of that very rarely did I hear that when Jordan was in charge, you know. I won't say what people called him, but you can probably uh, 
<laughs> Probably guess yourself. I'm sure he can guess it as well. Right, yeah. I'm going to go and speak to your son. Okay. And um, thank, thank you, you for talking to us. Okay. Uh, only a few minutes after seeing your team come from behind. Come out here, young man. Charlie, how old are you? Ten. You're a Palace fan? Yeah. And how are you feeling now? Uh, not really bothered. You're not bothered? Nah, because I knew the end result. Really? Yeah. Even when you were winning 2-0? You didn't yeah. think you'd win? No. Why? I knew Man U because they always bring it to the end last minute and they always just do something. Always like score a winner or something, as Matic did. So, uh, 2 0 up, your dad said I'd settle for, for a draw now, and that seemed a strange thing to say, but in hindsight, I can see you, you, you're pretty despondent about the way your team are playing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Do you think you'll stay up? Well, we've got the players, but I don't think they really believe in themselves. We have the players, we have the ability, but we're just not playing. Like with that ability, it's the players. Like they're good enough for the Premier League. As as a, us as a team, we're good enough. I, in my eyes, but just need to keep on like winning and performing. Really. If are there any Manchester United players you'd like to see at Crystal Palace? If you could sign any of them. Pogba. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Lukaku. Yeah. Yeah. They're the two you'd like to see here. How's Wilfred Zahar doing since he's come back from United? Uh, I think he was better at Palace anyway. Whereabouts you live? Where do you go to school? Uh, Cranbourne. And that's in South London? No, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And who do people support? Who do your mates support? Uh, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, and all that. And, and no other Palace fans in your school? Why do you support Palace? Dad. How many Palace games do you go to? Uh, I think when I was like five to about seven, I wasn't really bothered. But now I started to get back into going to the home games. You go to all the home matches? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us. I hope your season has a happy ending. I can see that you're a bit disappointed after what's, what's happened. I'm gutted for you, lad, because... Anyway, we'll carry on, go through here. So that's it for this podcast. I'm back in a hotel in Croydon, four or five miles south of Sellers Park, um, before heading on. It was a brilliant end to the game. Uh, United was so much better in the second half, uh, and contrasted with how bad Manchester United were. In the first half, a um, couple of United fans just come up to me outside one of the pubs close to the ground and said where are we going to get a beer they won't let any away fans in and they were looking at 10 past 11 on a Monday night in London gabbing gasping for a pint of beer so if you're listening I hope you got lucky lads I hope you got as lucky as Manchester United did in the second half but I don't think it was it was it was just luck I think United deserved it they were driving forward all the time and and the, the the Palace fan close to me was very very nervous even when his team were were two 0 up so it was great to see that spirit uh, the United end was on form it got better and better as you can imagine it's a, a an odd away end at Palace you do get seats along the side but it, it goes back so far I think there's fifty two rows and one should be on sort of row twenty five you don't get the best view in the world but that didn't seem to matter to the 
people celebrating in it. So the next game is Liverpool at Old Trafford. And we're bringing you a podcast as ever uh, from that game. Uh, United We Stand will be on sale at that game. And then we'll have the new issue on sale against Sevilla next week. Um, Sevilla have been, the form has been a little bit indifferent since they played Manchester United. Uh, Atletico put five past them in Sanchez Bijuan last week. So there's goals to be had against uh, Sevilla, but we can cover that more in the the Liverpool game and obviously the Sevilla game next week. So I'm going to get out of Croydon. Lovely, wonderful Croydon, but with respect, it's not the greatest place in the world. And continue enjoying the buzz. I've seen a late, great Manchester United victory. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Red. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.